police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of Director Showcase. I'm B-Movie Paul. And I'm Phantom Dark Dave. And this week, we begin week three of Alfred Hitchcock Month. And today, we will be reviewing the 1958 film Vertigo. So, Dave, what did you think of Vertigo? Yeah, what a what an interesting movie. Um, I, you know, honestly, I think I fell victim to the one thing most people do when uh, when I think about Vertigo. I thought Vertigo meant afraid of heights, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, sure enough, not so much. Vertigo is not the fear of heights. That's acrophobia. So um, I'll talk uh, for a few minutes here about the things I liked about this movie because they're right in the beginning. But uh, when this movie starts off, it really packs a punch and it leads you to believe fear of heights. Yeah, I was going to say, like, kind of, like, um, I could definitely see Fear of Heights um, kind of intertwining with this. Yeah, but being that this movie is two hours and eight minutes, this whole thing is not about heights at all. And, uh, yeah, as we, as we dive into this a little bit here, we'll talk more about what Vertigo really is. But uh, all in all, I'll say that uh, I was quite impressed. Definitely. So I've got the synopsis of this film, courtesy of IMDb, which says... A San Francisco detective suffering from an from acrophobia investigates the strange activities of an old friend's wife, all the while becoming dangerously obsessed with her. So even the synopsis is acrophobia. Very strange, but I mean, I guess it works. Just goes to show you, I did not read the synopsis on IMDb before watching. <laughs> I guess the synopsis like stole, like um, agreed with you. Yeah, no joke. So I think last time I started, so why don't you start telling me uh, what did you like about Vertigo? Well, overall, I thought the plot was really unique and really interesting. Um, it's about, like it said, it's about a detective trying to um, find the, figure out what's going on with his friend's wife. And just there's, it's so bizarre because she's obsessed with this, this picture from the past and she thinks she's... Um, I can't. Remember. I think she thinks she's like the reincarnation of whoever was in the picture, and just all this crazy shit. Then you find out that it's not even about that at all, and there's actually a murder mystery going on. And it was definitely a unique plot. Or and when it, everything's revealed, you're like, really? Holy crap! I didn't see that coming. Yeah, same here. I um, you know, like I said, I thought this movie was going to be Jimmy Stewart being afraid of heights the whole time. And then they kind of deliver a little bit in the beginning and then they just take you away from it for a very long time. And so you're kind of left wondering, what is this movie going to be about? And then you kind of, you learn that uh, Jimmy Stewart in this movie, who his character's name is John Ferguson. He, he has this insane obsession with, um, Madeline is her name played by Kim Novak. And, uh, man, I just, I, I think I'm just really starting to not only appreciate Hitchcock, but yeah, I think I'm becoming a big Jimmy Stewart fan. He did a really good job in this movie. Oh, definitely, yeah. And what's interesting about this being called Vertigo is the way they use the Vertigo syndrome is really quite interesting. Um, it's basically that has every that's the key to the murder and figuring out what was going on and it's that was really surprising i like the way they pulled that off like because a lot of the movie like you know that jimmy stewart has um he's got vertigo disorder because of um a situation he was in and then the way they tie it back into that was very cool like i i was impressed like i 
I watched this with my wife, and neither of us saw the miss the uh, twist coming. And to be honest, I think this is one of my favorite twists in like almost any film I've seen. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a broad statement, but not a bad one by far. Um, let me tell you what I liked about this movie. Here is um, th- there's a couple things, but predominantly. I really liked the opening to this movie. I know I talked really good about the North by Northwest opening, but this movie in particular was also really cool. You know, it starts out where they're just focusing on a pair of lips, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like black and white, then goes pale color, and then you kind of see the eye, and then it goes like a blood red, and then you get like this Twilight Zone spiral kind of effect into the eyeball, and then it starts doing all the credits for the movie, and then, of course, once it spirals out, the last credit you get is directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And then it just kind of re-goes over that eye. And then as that scene fades, you instantly just get a hand that grabs a rooftop ladder. And then the camera is focused on the hand, and then it kind of pulls out. And then you see the three people on the rooftop. You got the, the either thief or burglar or whoever. It doesn't go into too much there. But you got the bad guy, we'll call him. And he's running across the rooftop. Then you got the patrol officer, policeman, who's chasing. And then you have Jimmy Stewart. Is he a detective? Is that what I remember uh, right? Yeah, he's detective. Um... It's like a lieutenant or a detective or something. So them three are running across the rooftop, and the music is fantastic. I know the music was done by Bernard Herrmann in this movie, and I actually, uh, after seeing this movie, I went and got the soundtrack. Um, the library had it, and so I was able to pop that thing on my iPhone, and I just love listening to it. It's so it's just like North by Northwest. you got oh, a chaotic beginning scene that's building you up. The music is so upbeat, so fantastic, and the suspense level is through the roof, and I guess that's why they call him Master of Suspense, but um, I don't know if we want to get too much into spoiler, like what what causes his acrophobia. Oh, we may as well. I mean, that it's been out for over fifty years. <laughs> okay, well, say, like, all right, spoiler alert. There you go. Now, there you go. Spoiler, spoiler. For that. <laughs> but this this part here isn't the spoiler because this you get in the first five minutes of the movie. But what happens is. Um, you know, the bad guy's running across the roof, and he jumps from rooftop to rooftop, and he's followed by the policeman, who's right on his tail, and, and he successfully makes the jump. Poor Jimmy Stewart's last in this trail, and he doesn't quite make the jump, and so he starts sliding down the roof, and he's hanging on the gutter, and the cop can either go after the bad guy or save Jimmy Stewart. And so, like, a, a good Samaritan, good patron, good guy that he, this cop is, he goes to help Jimmy Stewart, but Jimmy Stewart is so terrified that he's just, he's shocked. You know, he's suffering from his vertigo. He's afraid to let go. He doesn't want to reach for help. He just wants to just tuck his shoulder away and make it go away. And the poor cop ends up falling off the roof, and Jimmy Stewart has to witness and, and hang during the whole thing. And uh, it just stays on his conscience for the whole film. And, you know, to get all of that in your first five minutes, I mean, that set a super high expectation for this movie. Definitely. There's actually a fan, fan theory I heard recently that the whole film is just um, James Stewart's uh, character hanging off the roof and imagining things until he eventually falls and i don't quite buy that one but it's still kind of an interesting theory yeah no i I definitely don't buy it either but it does make you think for a few seconds like if they wanted to they actually could have done something like that oh yeah then this would probably be directed by um and might shovel on and not um i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say and it would just totally would have pissed me off too because i hate movies that oh wait it was just a dream i'm frustrated (laughs) But, um, yeah, so uh, going off of the, the beginning and, and then the just 
fantastic music. I'm not sure what kind of awards they won for music on there, but I, I know this movie had a lot of nominations. And like you said, it made you know uh, the American Film Institute's top 100 list, which is freaking awesome. Um, but I mean, for 1958, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in this movie. You know, um, how did you feel that Jimmy Stewart did? I thought he did really well. Um, he, at times, he's just um, he played the romance um, character really well. At times, he's really intense, like he's like kind of violent and really like uh, really kind of intimidating when he's um, when he's pissed off and he's um, just at one point he's like pushing the um, woman who was involved with the um, the murder plot like up this tower and he's having the vertigo, but he's, he's so mad he's just like. He's uh, pushing her and like making her go go further and further up, and he was, he was an intimidating guy. I'm like, wow, this is this is Jimmy Stewart. Like, I I don't recall seeing him quite like this before, but man, he's he's not a guy to be trifled with. Yeah, th- this was not the same Jimmy Stewart from Rope. You're like, this guy was much more aggressive. Um, and I know before we started recording, I was telling you I ended up getting really frustrated with some of the stuff that I was reading, and uh, that stuff was that people were really bashing Jimmy Stewart for this movie, and even as far as Alfred Hitchcock saying that he believed Jimmy Stewart was miscast because he was too old for the role. And I completely disagree. I, I see what they're saying, and I know there was a good, like, you know, 24, 25 year gap between, you know, Jimmy Stewart and um, Kim Novak. But I think that added something to it, you know, and, you know, that's the reason why maybe he didn't make the jump in the beginning. He's an older guy. If it's the storyline, you know, it's true. Yeah. And it kind of worked. I felt like those two had good chemistry with each other. Plus, like, as the film goes on, I'll reveal the mystery. Like, it's hard to talk about it without. It turns out that James Stewart's um, character's friend, his wife. It wasn't really his wife. It was a woman that looked like her. And it was all a plot for him to, his friend, to kill his wife, to have her fall off the, uh, the bell tower and make it look like a suicide. And since Jimmy Stewart's uh, vertigo wouldn't, wouldn't allow him to climb that high, it was a perfect alibi. Like, he couldn't actually go and see, see what had happened because he would have vertigo. But he believed it was her and therefore he was able to verify that it was a suicide so it was a really good plot but um yeah in the end um it turns out that he meets the woman who was pretending to be his friend's wife and their relationship is one of the most disturbing and unsettling kind of relationships because he's constantly like he's in love with her because he thinks that because she resembles the woman that he fell in love with, which was his friend's wife. And he's, like, making her dress like her. Like, he makes her change her hair. And, like, I think it worked. There was an age difference because there's there's definitely a power imbalance. Like, she wants to make him happy. She wants to impress him. But he's really a jerk to him. He's really kind of creepy. But, like, I think having the uh, power imbalance, like, with the ages really kind of worked with that particular kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, someone of the same age, it might have been a failed effect. I don't think it would have been near as convincing as um, kind of an aged, been through life, I'm a man and I know what I want, so you're going to do it, just type mentality he gave off at the end. Um, and I think a lot that built that up was it's amazing how 
you know, Jimmy Stewart, he, he's, he's just kind of humble in the beginning. And then he starts doing a favor for a friend. And you can tell he immediately falls in love with this woman. And he becomes obsessed with her because he's chasing her all around town to everywhere she goes in the same routine. And, um, you know, in, in the first half of the movie, you can see it, you know, kind of like a spark igniting the fire, right? Um, she ends up falling in the water, and he, he rescues her and takes her home and, you know, declothes her let in puts her in bed and just very nurturing and, you know, kind of like an older gentleman would do, just trying to take care of her. And, you know, he has the most respect for her, and he worships the ground she walks on, and then that turns around, like you said, at the end, and he just becomes very, like, angry ferocious figure and uh i i mean carrie grant couldn't have done that <laughs> that was definitely a good jimmy stewart role right yeah, there yeah. <laughs> but uh and, and another thing about that bell tower did you know that bell tower wasn't really there like they show them running into like this i think it's like a church or a ministry of some sort and then the bell tower is connected to it but in actual reality that bell tower was not even there it was somewhere else and they added it in and it totally looked good yeah i was gonna say that worked completely i, I would have never known um, now, I can't speak too much detail on this one, but, you know, I had found out that this was supposed to be the very first movie to use computer graphics. Huh. That's pretty, and I'm, that's pretty I'm like, did they, did they CGI the bell tower? Surely not. Like, how did they, what did they do? You know, and I think um, a, a scene we haven't talked about yet that was really awesome was, do you remember the nightmare scene? Was that, wasn't he, like, chasing her or something like that? And, uh, or I'm thinking of something else, uh... No, he's um he's in bed sleeping, and all of a sudden, like it goes from like a blue tint to normal, blue tint oh, to normal, yeah, yeah. purple. Had this very like old school casino royale kind of color esque look to it, and then the upbeat music starts to build, and then it does this little animation sequence, and then it shows the uh, the portrait with the necklace. And then um, it fades into like an empty grave, and it's kind of showing all the places he had followed her. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Stewart's head's like floating towards the screen. His hair is all sticking up, and it's got like the spiral in the back. And then it just shows his body falling towards the rooftop. And then everybody has that dream where you're falling, and when you hit, you wake up. And when he wakes up, man, that that little sequence of oh man, he sold it. He looked he looked like he's had the nightmare of all nightmares. Oh yeah, it was um, that was a bizarre scene, but I I kind of feel like that kind of almost like not only did it show like where he chased after her and like these how bizarre things were, but it almost like showed his um, vertigo like in like symbolically like with the head like being one place, body being another place. Like it's really an interesting kind of scene that I think like can be interpreted in so many different ways, but it's so well done. Yeah, and um, I know we kind of already passed this point, but I was looking over some of my notes, and one thing I wanted to mention, um, you know, we talked about Alfred Hitchcock was saying maybe Jimmy Stewart was miscast. Do you know this is the last movie they worked on together? After this, he refused to cast him again. Oh, wow. And I think that's so heartbreaking because Stewart, like, did so much justice for Hitchcock in some of his movies. Oh, yeah. Just to be like, hey, you're old, you're out the window. Yeah, plus this movie, um, it's, I forget what number, it's like number 40 or something on the AFI um, 100 Greatest Films. But what's also interesting is, um, apparently in 1941, this film re replaced um, Citizen, actually not 1941, um, this film replaced the 1941 film um, Citizen Kane on, in 2012 on the British Film Institute's Sight and Sounds Critics Polls as the greatest film ever made. 
So is there any chance that The Room will replace this movie? Well, we'll have to wait till uh, 2018, then I'm sure that'll make the edge. Uh, <laughs> um, now, we talked about uh, Jimmy Stewart's performance in this movie. How do you think that Kim Novak did? I thought she did really good, especially considering that she played two different roles that were so drastically different. Like, that, was, that was very interesting. I think, like, um, as much of a big shadow as um, James Stewart may be, I think he he didn't overshadow her at all, and I thought she really stood on her own as a... as as doing two great performances it's a very interesting um like uh, portrayal of those characters and to do two that were so different i thought was very impressive yeah i agree and um i liked her a lot more than the female lead in north by northwest um something i did find interesting did you know that audrey hepburn expressed uh, interest in playing this role really that would have been a, a a weird take on this movie. I think that Kim's presence worked being just kind of a typical Hitchcock blonde, as most were, and, and you know, just kind of a beautiful bombshell is what they're going for. And, uh, you know, Audrey Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn she, she doesn't give off that exact appeal, so it would have been um, really interesting to see if they had went with that. Definitely. I thought um, it with, um, with um, who they had for that, because um, when she's first... Um, shown as being Madeline or Game uh, Stewart's friend's wife she's she's blonde and then when she's I guess her actual personality which is a, a woman named Judy Barton she's uh, brunette and having the different hair colors I think was very um, important to that scene because of to those um, the transition of two different characters as like she went from these like like you said the typical like Hitchcock blonde uh, bombshell to this um this like brunette like um kind of almost like almost aggressive like um woman and i thought that like the difference between them was very was very well done yeah definitely i mean you you knew right away it was the same woman but you know jimmy stewart he couldn't even believe it himself But um, I'll tell you another thing that we didn't talk about yet that I absolutely adored is um, <laughs> everybody knows that Rope is like my favorite, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this movie, do you know the longest, like the longest average shot length was only 6.7 seconds? Wow. If you think about the obsession chase and a thousand different things of how it was a consistent frame after frame after frame like rope there was like you know 11 minutes to five minutes to there was no six second frame you know and so this was like a totally different type of movie it was so much more fast-paced you know and it didn't have to be an an action spy movie to give me what i wanted out of it so it just kind of shows like um hitchcock's the diversity that he had in his like filming styles and how he could pull off so many different things like um one of the things i really like about this film is the scenes where it shows from james stewart's uh point of view while he's going through the vertigo syndromes and it's just so well done and it's so um catching that it's 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 such a riot to see it's um really it really kind of makes you feel like you almost have vertigo and you're and you're dealing with his point of view like those shots are really really something i'm so glad you brought that up because the next thing i wanted to say was 
my god it was so convincing it's so expensive for them to do i know the value of a dollar in 1958 is so much different than now but i read that they called it like a contra zoom it's kind of what that panoramic zoom zoom in zoom out thing is and it costs like nineteen thousand dollars to do two seconds but it set like revolutionary standards. Like everybody now, like let's say, um, you know, Martin Scorsese goes out and he makes a movie and he does that contra zoom. It's called the vertigo effect. I mean, how cool is that to have an effect named after something you you kind of did? You know. That is pretty cool. Just more to add to Hitchcock's legend. I'm telling you, you know, in every movie that we've done so far, we we talk about those those scenes, you know, with with rope, you know, just the way they transition the camera everywhere to the brilliant acting to North by Northwest. We talked about the crop duster and Mount Rushmore. And in this movie, man, it's all about the vertigo scenes and the insanity of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I, I don't know if this is a true fact, if it's true or not, but I think Hitchcock is known for more, like influential scenes in films like almost any other director like i would be surprised if there's a director who um really outshines him in that yeah i mean and going back to something you said on the last episode that we did i think you're 100 percent right um hitchcock makes great movies but people know him for certain scenes in particular you know and uh no i can't think of another director you know most people i think of like either i like you or i don't but there's not somebody i go man does he make amazing shot sequences you know or does that guy know how to get around does he have great directors of photography or does he always seem to land the right score you know the people to make his music it it might be a broad statement really but man i feel this is only our third movie in hitchcock is like ruling the 1950s (laughs) pretty much yeah definitely earned his uh place as a legend that's for sure were there any things in this film that you didn't like like any um any plot points or any like uh, choices that they made um the things that i didn't like about the movie it didn't have to be two hours and eight minutes long yeah it it's a good movie and they open up with such a such a punch to the face beginning that you you think it's going to be a fast-paced movie and it's really not and it's okay because the story is so good and the performances are so well done but if you expect the opening scene to be throughout it's not going to happen the the the, the vertigo and the tone for the movie happened in the beginning and then they happen in the climax and that's about it so the movie definitely carried itself and it's a great movie to watch and if someone hasn't seen it i would love to show it to them but um you know that this just goes to show you the two types of movies uh, hitchcock can do is if you want a fast upbeat movie you got north by northwest but if you want a movie with a, a better story well you got vertigo oh yeah it was definitely like even though it's very entertaining there were a few pacing problems like um just them talking and like like i get what they were doing they were kind of building up like their relationship building the plot and everything going on but it definitely didn't need to be as long as it was um maybe it's my attention span being not as not as high as it should be but yeah it 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 didn't need to be as long as it did at least i thought so now this isn't a complaint but i did have hope for something that didn't happen um i think it's called ernie's restaurant in the movie it it's a beautiful restaurant. It's got like um, 
red walls, red carpet, red chairs. I mean, you just get a, a luscious amount of red in here. And for a second, I really thought it was going to happen. Um, you know, the thing I love about rope is the way the camera just floats around. And I was wanting to see more of that. And when they entered the restaurant, it shows Jimmy Stewart sitting at the bar. And for a second there, I really thought the camera was going to bounce around the restaurant and kind of show you almost like a first-person view and kind of walk into the restaurant until it gets to the table of the people that he's actually there to see. And uh, it ends up cutting away and doing something else. And I'm like, you had it. And I just – I love the amount of red that they use. It created this really awesome atmosphere. And I just – I felt like there could have been a little more done with the camera work there that would have made another Hitchcock scene. But, hey, it still worked. That's true, yeah. That, that would have been kind of a cool choice. Um, yeah, I don't think it like um, detracted from the movie much, but that would have been kind of cool to see. Yeah, and I, I, you know, a lot of movies do it now, but I, I really geek out when I see the camera. Like, here comes the waiter, and it focuses on the waiter. The waiter walks past. It's on the tray. The tray gets you to the next guy who walks by. And like I said, it just kind of floats through the crowd, so to speak, and you don't know where it's going. And I love that surprise that you get when it finally arrives. And uh, I set myself up on that when it didn't truly happen. Yeah, but like, that's okay. It's gonna go. It's. Um, I, I always like those too. It's just. Um kind of see everything it's like what is the story like who is this about it's just definitely a cool kind of uh, thing so we talked about the pace of the movie um was there anything else that was kind of on the downfall for you um just a couple of things which are in my in i'll admit are kind of nitpicking but um i will say even though like um with james stewart's character being really obsessive like some of it was kind of like it definitely makes you feel uncomfortable when he's like ordering this younger woman like around saying you have to do this and like you have to like change your hair and like it was just kind of creepy and kind of like like off-putting and like it i i think that james stewart and was well casted i think the age difference worked well but it, it definitely makes you a little uncomfortable watching this um guy just bossing around this woman and i I, I don't know, like, it was definitely, like, kind of bizarre, like, I just kind of felt like it really made him look like kind of an ass, like, and I, I don't think he was supposed to be, in general, like, a noble, great guy, but this definitely didn't make him look good, for sure, so, and at first I thought, like, okay, he knows, he knows what's going on, he figured it out, but then later you, like, he sees a piece of her jewelry that you recognize, and then you're like, oh, now we figured that out. And like, well, he's there, like, pushing her around and everything. Like, he's just kind of a dick. Like, that wasn't cool. Yeah, and, and I think what it, what the, what had happened to you, happened to most of us, is they built you up to love Jimmy Stewart in this movie. He was the good guy, and all of a sudden, he's like good cop, bad cop. Like, what just happened to Jimmy Stewart? He's like, he's went totally two-face on us. He, um, he started bossing her around, and then all of a sudden, I mean, when he's chasing her, so to speak, up the bell tower, you think he's going to kill her now. You're like, uh, I don't know what's happening. Like, 40 minutes ago, we were rooting for Jimmy Stewart, and now we're like, run, lady! <laughs> it's weird, because she was complicit in a murder and completely <laughs> tricked him. But, like, it kind of makes you feel, like, bad for her. I think it's, like, it's an instinct, like, because she's just, like, you know, relatively, like, frail-looking um, young woman, and he's just, he's Jimmy Stewart. He's, like, not the burliest guy on the planet. But he's, he's not a guy you, you know, really want to mess with especially in his performance in that so it's like just him like pushing her it's like 
like, I don't want to feel bad for her. She's not a good person, but, like, come on, Jimmy Stewart, you're making me feel bad for this this woman. Who, like, yeah, he was in a murder. Yeah, he's, like, by definition, the big things come in small packages because he's a scrawny guy, but, man, when he gets mad, it's like ripping off a can of worms. He comes unglued. But I think that that just showed the diversity of his acting, and then it also just it puts you in the shoes of a man who's just been pushed too far. And who knows? I mean, you know, there's we all have somebody out there that we desperately love, and if that person was ripped from you and all of a sudden they're back in your life and you realize it was it was – a joke or a hoax or just a misconception you were made to believe a lie yeah who's to say we wouldn't act the same way you know we would just be outraged definitely and his his frustration felt so natural like i could definitely um i, I mean i don't i don't think i'd react that way but i definitely like the whole like frustration like you lied to me like everything was a lie just, he did that so well and i feel like it's weird that people would say he was miscasted because I, I don't think many actors could pull that off the way he did. I think a lot of people were just kind of irritated um, because they didn't want to see the older Jimmy Stewart having this romantic, um, this love w- with the younger actress, Kim Novak. Maybe maybe they wanted, you know, like a Rock Hudson or somebody in there, you know, somebody they found attractive, you know, some, but that's not what it was. You know, it was this guy who... You know, he's got his own plate, his everything. He doesn't need anything else in his life. And then love kind of stumbles in his life, messes everything up. He fights to protect it only to realize he's helpless and he can't do nothing. And then it comes back and slaps him in the face and he just reacts to it, you know. So I'm with you. I think everybody that says he's miscast is wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think him being older, like, actually kind of helped a bit because – He's he's an older guy. He's obviously really lonely. So getting like this um, romantic attention from this young woman, it's like of course she's gonna be like devastated when it turns out it's all a lie. Because it's like like um, if it was a younger guy, it's like you know he'll have more chances. But for him being older, it's like this is you know my one chance of like finding love, and like it turned out to be a lie. And I per- like like you're saying, I think it was perfect casting. I think that the performances were great all around. I I had zero complaints of that all right well since you are the nitpicker of the two between you and i i have to know did anything just kind of chap your ass about this movie um i will say that there is a scene where and this is going to be like nitpicking <laughs> all right here we go when madeline or judy jumps off the bridge and um he you know he dives in the water to save her but I don't know if it would really work that way. I think jumping off a bridge, even into water, would be enough to seriously damage you. Like, I I mean, maybe she would have been okay, and just, like, you know, some soup and a nap would have helped her out, but I just, I don't really think that would, that's how it would have gone. And I, I kept thinking about it through the, through the uh, movie. It's like, plus, okay, so this is all a hoax, but she really did jump off a bridge? Like, okay, she... She must be getting paid a lot of money for that, for this murder, because, you know, I, I honestly don't think I would have risked that, like, jumping off a bridge for um, a fake murder for, you know, however much she got out that. That just seemed a little bit too much for me. So if somebody was like, hey, Paul, I need you to pretend to be somebody's boyfriend, and I'm going to pay you to do it, and, yeah, I just need you to do it. But, by the way, you got to jump off a bridge. You'd be like, no, I'm out right there. I, I was good until you said the bridge jumping, and I am done. Exactly. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll do a lot of stuff. The bridge thing, that's where I draw the line. So. 
I will help you pretend to kill somebody, but I will not jump into the water. You got to be crazy. Exactly. Like, yeah, what about you? Were there any like um, other things that really like kind of got you with this movie? No, man. Honestly, like the only thing that that killed me was I, I felt it was very slow tempo, and they set it up to be more of a fast tempo type movie. But once I, I adapted into it, and we were able to get some story into place, and then we had we didn't know if we had a crazy lady or what was going on with her. I, I really kind of changed my mindset of it. I was like, this is a pretty cool story. There's a lot of imagery going on, you know, the nightmares and then the, you know, all the places where she visits and then the, the way she's forgetting where she's already been and everything. I was truly captivated by the storyline. And um, I was really happy that they brought the vertigo back into the movie and then you get that very climatic end. And spoiler, 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 she dies. I, I mean, we knew after she wasn't really dead that everything was going to be okay because Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak, they kiss all as well. And then she falls out the, the window of the bell tower and she dies after all. And it's like, oh, I thought I was crushed the first time you died, but you died again. And uh, I was like, and, and you know, here's the deal, Paul. I get really mad when, when I spend a long time watching a movie, but I get really ticked if the movie ends bad. And... I was really okay with this ending because I was like, it's definitely over now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I thought one it... of those things where I, I did not see that coming. I'm like, okay, so, you know, they're going to end up together and all that. But then she she falls out of the tower. I'm like, wait, what? Like, he, she's really dead this time. Oh, well. Yeah, and the worst part is if he could have ever had some sort of – uh, paralyzing vertigo that should have been the time but instead he has to watch his like loved one fall to her demise you know the one time I mean I know he was experiencing a little bit but it, it the vertigo had nothing to do with the reason she died a nun walks into the bell tower and scares the daylights out of her and she falls out you're just like it was it was such a like a Martin Scorsese from The Departed, you know, when the door opens and he gets, sh or the elevator opens and boom, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, oh my God, that just happened in front of me and I didn't even see it coming. And so I think that kind of just, if you didn't know it was a Hitchcock movie, there was the signature right there. Oh yeah, what makes it worse is that was his moment where he overcame his vertigo. He managed to be at the top of the tower and it's like, this was so triumphant and then bam, she just dies. And it's like, wow like there's a lot going on I, it's like i need to process this for a minute like okay it's, he, he he finally got he finally overcame the vertigo but now his lover who was not really his lover but then became his lover just fell off a tower which was originally a lie like there's a lot to take in at this point yeah and uh like you said it's it's really crazy that he overcomes his fear and maybe now he's afraid of love. You know, maybe Vertigo Part 2, Jimmy Stewart afraid of love. I don't know. But um, it just goes to show you kind of like uh, even when you think you've won, you lost. Oh, yeah. And Hitchcock's great at doing that. He's great at, like, um, just showing that, like, you know, anything can happen at any moment. So. Yeah, don't, don't build yourself no expectation. When you watch a Hitchcock movie, just be prepared for anything. So, so yeah, if you had to rank this um, from 1 out of 10, what would you give it? 
that's exactly what I was about to ask you. I, if I'm not mistaken, this is hard to remember. I think North by Northwest, did I give it a six? Does that sound right? Um, I think so. I'll have to go and listen to the recording. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty well, you sure. Don't, you don't have to. I'm just going to say I gave North by Northwest a six. And uh, I think this one's going to get an eight. I give this one a seven out of ten. Um, yeah, really fun. Enjoyed it a lot. But, you know, there were some pacing problems and... Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like, I can kind of, um, it, a few, a few of the scenes of, um, Jimmy Stewart, like, kind of pushing around Kim Novak's uh, character made me kind of uneasy, but it's, I can't really criticize it for that, because it's a Hitchcock film, you're supposed to feel uneasy watching it, and that worked really well, but it well, was kind of creepy, like, with his obsession <laughs> and everything, like, I was a little more uneasy, I think, for the wrong reasons than some of that, like, like, dude, chill out a little bit, come on, man. I was going to say, Paul, if, if you get uneasy about men who push women around, you're really going to have a hard time on the next episode of Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. We'll be bringing the probably the best-known um, Hitchcock film ever, which is, of course, Psycho. The film where, if you've never heard of another Hitchcock film, you've heard of Psycho. Even kindergartners love Psycho. Oh, yeah. So this ends this week's episode of Director Showcase. Tune in next week for episode four of Alfred Hitchcock Month. And you'll find out what movies we rank as our top five favorite Hitchcock films. So until next time, B-Movie fans, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. I'm seeing the wrong guy.